water. You you don't realize like how water is important in the desert. I made the classic mistake of I ran out of bottled water because it's expensive. Vegas tap water is like drinking dried blood. Like yeah. the it's, shit is filtered it's, through it's, coins. It's going yeah, through. like a hundred percent. You taste bags of pennies in the in the in the water of Las Ugh. Vegas. It almost killed me in the last couple of days. Like I, I drank about half a glass of, of Las Vegas tap water and it fucked me up. And so just don't stay for too long. But it's really fun. We're back. Welcome to Take Line. I'm your host, Jason Concepcion. I'm refreshed. I'm recharged. I'm feeling great. Summer League is going on. Tom Thibodeau, are you watching what's happening there? You should be. Got another great show of, of, of talk lined up for you. Jamel Johnson, the great Jamel Johnson, Wizards and Washington sports fan extraordinaire is here. Can't wait to cut it up with him. Another great friend of the pod, Zach Harper of The Athletic, one of the greatest to ever do it, is, is he is there just imbibing the Las Vegas Summer League air. He'll have a lot of things to talk to us about. And then the wonderful Tumani Carroll of The Guardian, of The Guardian, The Guardian, will join us to talk about Wimbledon and strawberries and cream final, men's final this weekend, the women's final as well. He'll join us to talk about that. We can't wait. But first, let's let's chop it up with with our good friend, first of all, Jamel and uh, super producers Ryan and Zuri to just talk about what's been going on. The WNBA uh, All-Star Game, of course, this weekend uh, and various other happenings in our lives. Gentlemen, welcome. Jamel, welcome. Jamel, how are you? I am good. I feel so good. We're back. I'm in the trenches. Uh, what's everybody been up to? It's we've taken two weeks off, which was uh, it was great for me. Um, I sat under the sun and and toasted under the desert sun for a few days, uh, and now I'm back. I've been watching summer league. Uh, how is everyone, Zuri? How are you? I'm good, man. I did the thing where I checked out and like I'm looking at old emails and slacks and stuff and uh, Fuck yeah. where I started. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? I actually use a lot of uh, <laughs> Shopify. This is not an ad. But I've been trying to like. Shopify. <laughs> hey, hold on, yeah. hold on, hold on. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to like start a side hustle. I'm trying to like um, sell some merch, it's like creative expression and all that. And I have a store. Tell, tell me, wait, wait. So, so what are you doing with what are you doing with Shopify? Tell me how it's been helping you uh, <laughs> as you enter as you enter the marketplace. Well, you know, there's seamless integration. There's like one click. So like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just it's just a way it's just a way to sell things. It's just a merchandise app, and um, I like I like drawing stuff, and I want to make some like hats and, and things like that. This is my break. It's not great. Oh, nice. What do you, personal trip. No, no, no. Plug, plug the, plug the shit. What is, what is your Shopify store and what are you, what are you selling? Uh, it's called Getstale. G-E-T-S-T-A-L-E. Doesn't mean much. I like those two words together. Um, and it's just hats, uh, framed artwork, um, and some t-shirts. But it's in progress. So if you look at it now, as you're listening to this podcast, just know that it's going to get better. Or maybe look at it in a few days. It's going to get better. It's only, <laughs> but if you want to get, but here's the thing. Do you want to get in on the ground floor? That's right. 
You want to get in on the ground floor? You want to be a part of something? We're all looking to be a part of something in this world. That's the thing. We're all walking around being like, man, where do I belong? Where's my community? Where's the thing that I can be a part of? Where's where's the NFTs? But before anybody knew about them, that's maybe a bad example, but I'm just putting that out there right now. That's as an example of something you can get in on. Now it's time to get stale. Yeah. You can get in on the ground floor of, with this and be a part of the get stale community before it even is part of You could be like community member number three. That's right. Think about it. What what a, what a great. Be a part of something. <laughs> what a great read. Thank you, Jay. Ryan, what, what have you been up to? A whole lot of recalibration after the NBA finals, NBA playoffs, kind of taking a break from sports at like this like underbelly of the of the sports calendar. The Yankees are amazing, but every time I watch them, they seem to find ways to piss me off. I watched, I, so I watched the last two. Why? I, I missed you the first like, two games. You don't like, you don't like winning. Well, no, you don't no, like the offense. I, I, I missed the first two games of the Red Sox series. You don't and like the Red Sox being like fifty-seven games back in this. You don't like. This. I, I, I hate seeing us walked off on after blowing two-run leads in the tenth inning, and I hate okay. seeing us, you know, not be able to get doubled up in the finale. We went from. Potentially sweeping yeah, them in Boston to a split that I really don't understand because we are that much better than them. And I feel like we had them on the ropes, like we had them, you know, to the death in the third game. And then the fourth game, we just came out flat. So, and those are the two games that I got to watch. So I'm like, I'm sitting here, like, I know you guys are great. I know the numbers, I know the context. So why yeah. are you losing in front of my eyes? Why can't you be. Good? Sorry. Yeah, see, yeah, the real off the stats, yeah, no, Zuri, just so people can understand the, 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 the level, the level of looking, yeah. the level of looking for the, problems the Yankees, that Ryan is is at right the now. The Yankees are fourteen games ahead of the Red Sox and thirty four and nine at home, <laughs> and we're here complaining about you know, decimation. <laughs> <laughs> I decimation at all times, especially hey, in Boston. I don't even care about that. The O's are not trash anymore. We're hey, decent. That's right. That's We're officially hey. decent. Yo, they're sniffing the, one of the hottest teams in baseball and sniffing Come 500 on. in the cellar. I love it because that I'm, makes it that much more impressive what the Yankees are doing in the sports best division. Buddy, it's the first time I've seen us win a game in summer during <laughs> when it was actually really hot. Congratulations. NL East leading uh, New York Mets. Also, uh, I just want to shout out the New York Mets, the favored team of Donovan Mitchell. (laughs) We'll see how that plays into things in the Mm. future. Uh, But it's a great time for New York baseball right now. Wonderful time for New York baseball, uh, which is fantastic. And Ryan, stop complaining (laughs) about the Yankees. It's really, (laughs) the Yankees are putting up like, a historic yeah. fucking no, season. <laughs> they're, they're win, win, percent, win percentage, 70, 709 win percentage. I, I am enjoying it. I, re, I truly enjoy Ryan, it. 709. <laughs> like they have to, they actually have to fall off. Like this, like just in terms of what's happening, they have to come back to earth or else I don't understand how sports works anymore. Like this is crazy. And you're here like, well, they've, Still finding ways, you know. You know they lost two games. Like, judge, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Judge had his judge had his hat on weird the other day. I don't... <laughs> you know what? This is true. This is all true. I ex- I accept it all. I hold them to an unreasonably high standard. They are overall, you know, emphatically blowing out, blowing my season expectations out of the water. Everybody, every, everybody, <laughs> every team. You know, um, it's 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 July though. So as much as I'm going to be hyped to see a bunch of pinstripes at Dodger Stadium next week. You know, 
do this in September and October and I'll be I'll fly home for the yeah. for the parade. <laughs> well, I'm glad that everybody's been taking a sports break. It seems like the NBA finals went straight from ending to KD Kyrie stuff, which is now in a holding pattern. I guess we should talk about Russell Westbrook and LeBron not talking to each other at Summer League. I can't, I, I, we'll talk about this with Zach. But let me just say, like, this is not, you don't need to, uh, this is not a thing that anybody needs to unpack. When people don't fuck with each other, they don't speak. That's that's all that is. Pretty the cameras and the, right? the proximity makes it weird. I mean, maybe Russ just wanted to be on the bench because he's just, you know, he's, he's a baller and that's where you're supposed to be. But I don't know. I think he was saying, you know, I mean, and it was clearly like, I want to be a part of this team. I want to be a part of the Lakers. It meant a lot to me to come here. And so I'm going to show you that I'm involved. Look at me mentoring these young guys. Look at me inspiring them. If they ask me, what do you what's your what do you do about setting screens? I'm going to tell them I just don't do it uh, <laughs> because that's not part of my game. But, I, you know, like that's. I enjoyed the body language um, university kind of like breakdown this morning of that of that interaction, but it's not that deep. I don't think people need to to break it down to that level. And by the way, body language interaction, that kind of like human interaction stuff, we're all experts in it. So you know what it is. They just don't like it. Like Russell is not fucking with LeBron right now. That's just what it is because he sees probably, and I think fairly and rightly, LeBron as the boss. Mm-hmm. You know, there's he's he's a fellow uh, teammate, but he's also kind of the boss. Bro, LeBron, and the boss has been been trying to trade him. Le, yeah, LeBron traded his best friend midseason. LeBron will trade anybody. Yeah. Anybody is on the list. Anybody can get it. <laughs> and Russ should be worried. Have I ever told you about the time I went to summer league in 2019? And uh, tell me, this this little white girl went at LeBron on the jumbotron. <laughs> <laughs> The P. It's in the middle of. It's a break in between games. The the Lakers are about to play, so like all the dudes are coming out. AAD's coming out. LeBron's coming to sit down. Dwight is begging for a job. This is before they signed Dwight Howard. He is clearly at summer league trying to get a job, <laughs> and LeBron is not speaking to Dwight Howard. This is before they signed him, and then they go. The PA goes into the crowd to look for a, a fan, just to. To talk to, <laughs> and it's this little white girl, and she's a Clippers fan. She's the guy's like, "Who's your team?" She's like, "The Clippers," and and he's like, "Why don't Why don't you like the Lakers? Why do you like the Clippers more than the Lakers?" She's like, "Because we're a better organization. We're better run. We've been better for <laughs> ten years." LeBron is sitting front row in a in Thomas and Mack. It's close. They're right, and the crowd's like, "Oh, the crowd's hyping her up," and she keeps going. She's like, "We're gonna be better than them next year." The year yeah. after that, <laughs> not one, not two, not three. Yeah. Yo, it was incredible. Uh, Ryan Zuri, have you guys ever you ever been to summer league? Not yet. I, I, not. I regret it. It's the same one. It is the the particularly the Las Vegas summer league. You know, no shots, but there there are the other summer leagues where uh, where Josh Giddy and and Chad Holmgren have been doing their things in. Those are the off brand summer leagues. But Las Vegas Summer League and the first weekend that it opens is fun. It's really fun. I, the first time I went to Summer League for uh, for, the, for Grantland, uh, I went for nine days, which never do that. Go for two days. <laughs> is it like very loading? <laughs> maybe three days. It was, well, because what happens is everybody's there for the first weekend and it's really fun, you know, like, 
you know, Jerry West is coming through and there's LeBron and hanging out. And there's all these people just hanging out like in the stands and Zach Lowe is there. Zach Lowe, I remember giving some great advice at that time. He was like, this is where everybody is from the scouts, the lowest scout to the trainer, all the way up to every single agent and every single GM. This is your chance. Nobody's stopping you from going to talk to uh, Phil Jackson right there. Go up and talk to him and find out what's going to like introduce yourself and just like find out if you can find out anything. Put yourself on the radar. I didn't have that kind of moxie at that time, but that was what uh, that's how Zach managed to grind his way up to uh, the status. He isn't one of the, the tools in his toolbox. Anyway, first weekend is great because everybody's there and you see everybody and it's exciting and, and you can just walk in and out and watch these games, sit next to people. You know, you, you see uh, I, I, like Mike D'Antoni's son was like one of the ushers. Like you just see all like all these crazy folks from the greater NBA community. And then the Monday after that weekend, it just drops the fuck off. And you're there with like, <laughs> with like the dregs. And then it just keeps doing that as teams get knocked out throughout the summer. You know, like they, they run it like a tournament, you know, people start falling away. You know, the the players that that are actually going to be in the NBA start pairing back. They don't want to get injured. Right. They start moving into the their off season and their preseason, like actual training regimens and going away. And now it's just the guys that are like, I'm looking for a job in China. I'm looking for a job somewhere in the Euro League, you know, and and it just becomes like extremely, extremely fucking dire. And then it's just you and like some random fucking Pacers blogger. and. The, well, this the lowest, less of, and you're just like there, yeah, and you're just sitting there like, I'm paying twenty five dollars for a single Starbucks coffee. I am out of money. It that's what happens. Like I ran, I had like zero, I had no cash after like five days. I was just like buying, stealing like Fritos and stuff from anywhere like where they're giving out food to the NBA like reporters and stuff, and taking that back to my to my hotel room rather. Like water, you you don't realize like how much how water is important in the desert. I and I made the classic mistake of I ran out of bottled water because it's expensive. And so like I was like, fuck it, I'll drink the tap water. At Vegas tap water is like drinking dried blood. Like Damn. the it's, shit is filtered through coins. It's going yeah, through like a hundred percent. You taste bags of pennies in the in the in the water of Las Ugh. Vegas. And it 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 almost killed me in the last couple of days. Like I I took a sip of it. I drank about half a glass of of Las Vegas tap water and it fucked me up. And so just don't stay for too long. But it's really fun. Enjoy it. Enjoy Vegas Summer League for anybody that's there, but don't stay too long. Ooh. Uh WNBA uh, All-Star. First of all, a lot of talk about Brittany Griner and Brittany Griner's situation around uh, the WNBA All-Star Game. I think uh, that was great to see yep, the unity, so. uh, people wearing BG jerseys. She, uh, Brittany, of course, has been detained uh, for a while now in Russia on drug charges, which she has since pled guilty to recently, which I took as a positive step. I don't know about y'all, but it seemed to me like uh, whether or not the charges are real, true, whatever the case may be, it seemed to me that pleading guilty, aside from it being an admission of anything, seemed like I took that as there's some movement here after yeah. a long time. It doesn't matter what what the charges are, but it seemed like taking those on 
and admitting to them is at least some kind of movement in the case. Uh, what did y'all think of the WNBA All-Star Game? Anyway? Uh, wish it wasn't on during brunch. Yeah, that sucked. <laughs> That's kind of my main. Let's get that yeah. thing at night. A firm dusk tip-off. Yeah, we got we to gotta figure that. Also, like, can we get Kelsey Plum and the WNBA All-Star Game MVP like a bigger oh, yeah. trophy. Why is that trophy? <laughs> it looked like somebody ran out like to the, to the casino like store that oh, was there. Yeah. It was like, you got any, do you have anything that's like a trophy? And then they just like, I got this. And then they brought that out. That thing was like an urn oh. for a hobbit. <laughs> I, I thought it was a like onion sports post the first time I saw it. And then I Googled it out of sheer curiosity and you know, the army of images of her you know what? It with, I'm just like, wow, this is really it. That's, you know what they should do? They should like um, put a ring on the bottom of the trophy and then just make it a championship ring. It's probably about this. Oh, just add a little band. Add a little band on the bottom and then, and then yeah. it's a great ring. <laughs> it's, an like, it's an amazing ring. It's a four finger ring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or like take a take a piece of wood. Someone go to a Home Depot and find like a block of wood and then finish it with some stain and then nail the trophy to the wood. So at least there's a stand and it looks mm. a little bigger because this thing, yeah, it, it is actually crazy to look at it. How yeah. Fucking small it is. Meanwhile, the NBA is like giving out rings to the, to the, to the championship summer league team. Like, can we, can we cut off some of the ring budget and right. like get the ladies a bigger trophy for their, all-star MVP, please. Or just scrap the trophy entirely. Get them, give them some stocks. Mm. Give them something they can mm -hmm. use, dog, because this trophy shit yeah. ain't it. Yeah, that's <laughs> a great point because, you know, the, the, uh, with the Briner situation, you've, you've heard a lot of people say, man, if that was LeBron over there, you know they'd move heaven and earth to get him out. The, the issue is that LeBron wouldn't be over there because LeBron would not need to subsidize his income by playing in Russia. That is... The problem, we can't even figure out if we can get these ladies flights. Um, meanwhile, the last dude on the bench on the summer league team might get a ring. It's like, dog, you're getting <laughs> cut. You're getting cut and you're getting a ring. That's ridiculous. Yeah, we got to figure out a way that they don't have to, that these ladies don't have to go overseas to figure out how they're going to uh, make ends meet. Because... That's the issue. <laughs> uh, any any other thoughts about Summer League or the WNBA All-Star? Uh, additional shouts out to Kelsey Plum for having one of the most embarrassing three-point contest rounds. <laughs> and then coming coming back, coming back and winning the All-Star Game MVP is the only way you can make up for looking so out of place. The worst part was they got Asia Wilson and her teammate on a can they had a camera isolated oh. on Asia Wilson <laughs> for every one of them bricks. Twenty bricks. Amazing. Uh Jamel, as the official uh, spokesperson for uh, Washington Area Sports, we simply must talk about Washington Wizards uh and Bradley Beal and uh the decision to uh, award Bradley Beal a $251 million extension, which is congratulations to him. Okay. Uh, but I think, and it, listen, it's a lot. Uh, I think 
no 50 win seasons, one third team NBA appearance. We could we could debate on whether it's worth it. I think the thing that that is that is wild about it is the no trade clause, which puts him in the company of like Dirk Nowitzki, LeBron, literally a handful of Hall of Fame performers that have ever received a no trade Mello, ever received a no trade part of their contract. What are your, your thoughts on the Washington Wizards making this commitment to Bradley Beal? Who's good? Um, uh, he is good. He has an opportunity to show us something that we haven't seen yet. Lord Jesus, I hope it happens. I hope he gives a portion of this money to John Wall, who he does owe <laughs> a great <laughs> amount of money for this contract. So many of Brad's best years were with John Wall, who was also at his best and was the best player on the team at the time. We are, we are awarding the man for 2016 still. <laughs> it's been seven years since then. I, the Wizards' problem isn't Brad. That's what I decided. Okay. The Wizards pro- I, the Wizards- I agree with you, by the way. I agree. Yeah. The Wizards' problem is player development, scouting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, got the, we drafted the guy from the Taco Bell commercial. <laughs> <laughs> that's these are our problems can't draft not, in in 10 years of Brad's career we have what three good draft picks uh, if you I, count Rui Rui's nice Rui is nice he's he's coming along yeah, I yeah. like Denny as a as a defensive player he's shown I, some stuff yeah you know the, early this was he was playing defense in the fall. Once it got yeah. the all-star break, you could they they figured out all types of layup packages on his ass. <laughs> Trainable. Uh, but I think but I think you're right. The stewardship of Tommy Shepard and the overall strategy of Wizards owner Ted Leonsis, um, I think has if I could sum it up from the outside looking in, it's been loyalty to players who maybe didn't necessarily deserve the level of, of reward and loyalty. And then I'll just a kind of a lack of ambition in what they're trying to do. They are trying to be the cool. Yeah, that's what it is. They're trying to show, Hey, isn't it great to play for the wizards? Wouldn't it be great? Look at this. Look at how good it is. Look at how well we treat everybody. But meanwhile, like the results don't necessarily support that particular mode of action that's just from the outside looking in this we should have been meaner to some people i know everybody likes denny i like denny too but denny ass could go if you don't hey man if you don't figure out how to make an open shot or finish a layup i don't care about <laughs> the defense i do not care about who you strap up man who you guarding anyway me they can all go to hell who, who do you like on the squad <laughs> i mean uh so they have bradley beal who's yeah. who's good Kristaps uh, Porzingis uh, didn't see a lot of him last season, but uh, would would he's going to be an improvement offensively if he can show anything? And and I think he was pretty good with the Mavericks in his last uh, couple of weeks there. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, we like Kyle Kuzma. Nice, I like I like Kyle Kuzma. Nice player. He just seems happy to be there. Uh, he does seem happy to be there. Uh, one of the draft picks you were talking about, Kyle, uh, Corey Kispert, hit and started hitting shots uh, towards the end of last season. How do you feel about Corey Kispert? Uh, can be traded right now. I would trade him for uh, whatever. <laughs> Knicks, Knicks, you want him? 
Y'all need, I, I would you need take, a Corey Kispert up the way? We'll take him. Need some shooters. Uh, sure. if, if theoretically he can't shoot. Uh, 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 Will Barton? Will the Thrill? Now, now, that's what I'm talking I like Will, and I like Monte Morris. I like the guys we brought in. Yeah. Everybody but else, I've, I've seen enough. I know it's only been two years. I've been through this before. <laughs> I love how simple that trade was. Two guards for two guards. No picks. No money. We always yeah. do things that it's like seem nice. We got to stop being. We got to get some Danny Ainge in our blood. We got to become evil. <laughs> we got to add some evil. We didn't need that no trade. Let's just say that Tommy Shepard. I don't know how that happened. I, the only thing I can think of is is Brad's agent must have been like, you know, say 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 no trade. Ask for no trade. And see what happens. <laughs> then we're just like, okay. And then they were like snickering like on the line. I can't believe that they went for that, but that's fine. Let's go to our friend Zach Harper of The Athletic, the great Zach Harper of The Athletic, and get his perspective, the expert's perspective on Summer League and the goings-on in the NBA in this wonderful summer of July 2022 when everything is going great. From Las Vegas, Viva Zach Harper. Viva Zach. That's right. Zach Harper of the Athletic is here to take us through all the crazy stuff that's been happening with summer league and the trades and people getting massive contracts. Uh, Zach, uh, how are you? And I understand that you do have food poisoning, but you've you're soldiering through to join Jamel and I today. How are you feeling? Number one, I I couldn't pass it up. You know, I had to I had to get through. I will say this: I feel a lot better this morning than I did yesterday morning. Uh, I was getting ready to go do a live pod from the arena. You go on set and everything. There was whole thing set up, and as I was I started, I like kind of threw up. I was like, ah. I don't really feel hungover, but I guess I just drank too much last night, whatever. And then I had to go to the bathroom a different way, which I won't share too many details on. I was like, okay, I think I got it out of my system. I'm showered. I'm good. And then I, I grab my stuff. I get dressed. I grab my stuff. I walk out. I make it about halfway to the elevator. I thought, oh, I'm not going to make it. And then I like ran oh. back to my room and Ooh. just like puked my guts out into the toilet. And then it was that way for, I don't know, a half hour that I just said like, hey, guys, I got to cancel. They got food poisoning. They had you. They had you dual wielding. Had the crab. The crab legs got you. <laughs> it was the half price steak after midnight. It was the that turns out not a good idea. And it had been going too well for me, guys. Like I've been going yeah. with the passenger fifty seven. Always bet on black when I go to a roulette table. Yeah. I, you know that's cleaned up for me a few times. I pressed it a couple of times. It still ended up on black. So things I had to be humbled. Yeah, you needed to be brought down to earth. You were what? You were you were. You were flying too high, like Icarus, high, heading towards the sun. Yeah. That wax needed to get melted down. You need to come down to Earth a little bit. Tell us, for for uh, Summer League is such a unique uh, sporting experience. Give our audience, for those listening who maybe haven't, haven't been to a Summer League, don't understand what it is, give us a little taste of the Summer League experience. What's what's it like, and what's it like this season? Well, uh, other than the the Syracuse Carmelo Anthony fan that just beat the shit out of somebody in the stands, um, oh, did you see that? I did. I saw that because of you. Did you, you see that? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jamel, you haven't seen this? Oh, oh, this man. So, oh I, my goodness, I, I, I'll no. just explain what happened. There just... was a, a Lakers. A, there's like a Lakers fan who was standing up, 
and was dancing and was was uh, talking shit to various people around the arena. And then uh, our, a, a fan in a Carmelo Anthony, Syracuse Carmelo Anthony jersey took exception to this from above. And came down. And usually, if you're the higher up, all, all the person lower has to do is grab you and pull. Now, all of yeah. a sudden, you've fallen down, right? You're top heavy and you're getting your ass beat. But the Carmelo, uh, uh, the fan who the Carmelo uh, fan beat up made a classic mistake, which is he tried to climb up and his foot got yeah. hung up. The t- his foot got hung up on the seat oh, no. as he tried to climb up. And then Carmelo fan was just like, great, I'm going to take advantage and just yeah. whap, 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 whap. You could hear the yeah. cracks like in the video. Got him. And Jason, this is this is where summer league is important, right? Because it's where you find out who has the fundamentals and who doesn't, right? On the court, in the stands, who has the fundamentals and who doesn't? And it makes you, it, you know, it shows who's ready for this and who isn't. That's exactly right. Foot, exactly. It's all, all about footwork. Was footwork. Off. It's all about footwork. Mm-hmm. It's all about no where you are in the building. You know, like when you when when like you're when you you come down to the kitchen and your grandma is trying to climb up on the counter because there's a high cupboard that she needs. And that's what it looked like where the, where the, the, they put the foot up, they put the leg up and then the tip of the foot gets caught on that edge and can't go over. And that's where my guy just went to work. You can't do that. It, it reminded me of, I don't know if you ever try to get out of a car and, and the, the door is too low to the curb. Right. So you don't want to like yep. scratch the door. And so you try to put that's your, right. your foot in the gutter but it's too close to the, to the curb. And so now you've got to like kind of side angle it. Otherwise your foot gets stuck. And yeah, that's what it looked like to me. Um, Let's start with free agency. It happened last week and it was bad. And I'm like, I'm going to scratch the shit out of these shoes. Like, I don't really worry about that most of the time, but it was just shoes. I didn't want to scratch. I was trying to figure out how to get out of there. I just looked like an idiot. It looked like I'd never gotten out of a car before. Uh, Zach free agency. Uh, is going on has been crazy uh, big headlines cat getting a deal zion uh, signing a triumphant a triumphant deal for the new orleans pelicans organization for zion sign that bradley beagle getting a massive and historic contract considering the no trade uh, clause that is included therein Jokic signing the biggest deal ever in nba history uh, booker's extension etc what uh, what stood out to you I think it's uh, two things. One, the Bradley Beal deal, right? The Bradley Beal deal where yeah. there is no trade clause. And it's funny, like people are going to hammer him for this because he doesn't want to win and he didn't go somewhere else. And even though we try to kill people when they do want to go somewhere else and want to win and make it easier, right? Um, but with with the Beal thing, it's like, it's going to be such a fascinating conversation when eight years from now, he's got like, 20,000 plus points. He's got a bunch of all-star selections, maybe a couple all NBA. He's made like $500 million. And there's going to be a conversation that sets the internet on fire of, is this guy a hall of Famer? And it's going to, and like, it's going to wreck whatever, if Twitter's still around, it will be the end of Twitter. If it's something new, it'll be the end of TikTok or something. I don't know, but it's going to, <laughs> that's one that's going to absolutely wreck the internet when that conversation comes up because he is a hell of a player. Like, I, I don't know why we're putting it on him to to save this Wizards franchise. Like, they they haven't put a ton around him yet. I like the team now. I think the team now is, like, pretty pretty solid. But, you know, the East is – it's ador- it's an adorable team, you know. You got adorable. Rui, you got Chris Stapps. Like, yeah, it's an adorable team. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, like, I don't know. I don't know if 
Like I, I don't, I don't fault him for taking the money. Someone offers you a quarter of a billion. Of course not. Take no, it no, 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 no. What and like I don't care. You could go zero and eighty two the next season. Like I, I will champion that deal every time. And then the the Zion one is interesting because I believe you know they've tried to put some protections in there because of the injuries. But I think if he just makes All NBA once in that contract, it fully guarantees it. So he could come back, be healthy next season, make All NBA because he's he's incredible it becomes guaranteed and then he could be injured for the next four years and he's getting all 230 they might Oof. even realize that's ooh. shout out to zion's team that's some good yeah that's some good paperwork right there yeah i know uh you're the you're the head guy over at wolves nation where where are you with rudy gobert how do, how do you feel um I didn't stop shitting on him in the playoffs when he was a jazz mem- jazz member i won't stop shitting him on the playoffs when he's a when he's a Timberwolf, like, look, he, this is my issue with the Rudy conversation is it's always been like, this is the greatest defender that all this. And I'm like, you can't be the greatest defender. If you're food in the playoffs, like you just can't They're like, Oh, well, Donovan Mitchell's bad at defense. And this guy's bad at defense. So you can't keep up with that. And I was like, okay, but then don't say that you're the historic defender that you are. That's my issue with the whole thing. And so now he goes to the wolves and it's I actually like what it does for Carl Anthony towns offensively because he should be taking more threes. He should be attacking from the perimeter more. He struggled a lot in the post last season against double teams and was having some of the worst turnovers whenever they sent any kind of double. It could have been Earl Boykins doubling off the off the <laughs> perimeter and he wouldn't have handled it well, right? Like, it didn't matter the size of the play. Shouts to, like, he didn't shouts handle to, it. Shouts to the great Earl Boykins. <laughs> but you always have to, you're legally obligated to mention that he could bench 300 pounds. Yeah. Like, you have to, you have to mention that. But, uh, you know, no, look. Is it easier when your arms are that short? I don't know. I don't know what the physics are on that, but I'm just, I don't want to take anything away. I just have some questions, but, but you know, that's all. Um, and so I like what it does offensively, but like, all right, so now he's got to clean up for Cat and D'Angelo Russell on defense. It, like, it helps. I like the Kyle Anderson move, and Anthony Edwards continues to, you know, to get better, and, and he'll be, you know, even better defensively. But, man, like, I, the goal of the move was to no longer be the Timber. And you do that by winning 50 games every year and getting knocked out in the second round. I think that's what's going to happen. But sadly for that franchise, that's an improvement. Hey, I'm a Wizards fan. Well, I know all about it. <laughs> you know, I, I, to, to, take the, to take the more optimistic side of it, I think, you know, a lot of attention has been paid to the price that was paid for Gobert. I think, uh, obviously, it was an overpay. But at the same time, like, when you have – the, the the wolves have the thing that every franchise wants, which is two superstars, legitimate. Like Cat, yeah. for all uh, his flaws that, and we've picked over them. Everyone has picked over them for the entire time he's been in the NBA. Legitimately, an elite offensive big, arguably the best offensive big, like in the league right now. Anthony Edwards, budding superstar, um, will be one of the uh, like marquee players in the NBA, I think, just because of his personality, the way he plays, going forward for the next 10 years. That's the thing that everybody wants. When you have that, uh, it makes sense to say, okay, I'm, we're going to bet on these two guys. Let's push everything we have to the middle of the table. And now, like, you know, the, the, the Wolves starting five take all the baggage that Rudy, <laughs> Rudy brings, right? Uh, you know, if you have a top three of Cat, Anthony Edwards, Rudy Gobert, uh, add slow time into it, um, 
D'Angelo Russell, uh, I'm not the biggest fan, makes a lot of mistakes at crucial moments, but offensive, like, you know, if it, arguably he cleans that up. I That's pretty good. Um, and then you just hope that the things that that team can control, mistakes, bad decisions, et cetera, shrink. And uh, I kind of like it. I like it. Like, and and again, like uh, to Rudy's, the bags that he brings, I think that he's going to be more determined than ever to prove to everybody, like, hey, you can't small me away. Like, I've figured this stuff out. I'm going to be good. I, I kind of like it for them from that perspective. That is one thing where I think Chris Finch as a coach can help because I do think when Rudy has a small on him around the basket, Chris Finch will say, throw him the ball, catch it high, try to dunk. Because that's the that's the the issue hasn't been necessarily defensively when teams went small against the Jazz in the playoffs. It's been on offense. Rudy wouldn't punish him. Rudy didn't know how. He like he's so he's just no touch with the basketball. Um, it looks like it looks like he's trying to break a backboard on a left-handed hook. Like it, it I mean, it's just it's so bad. But the, I mean, the thing is, like, I don't know how much higher their ceiling is as a team, but their floor is much higher than it was before. You could look at a lot of last season and and either be very positive about it or you could be like look it's kind of fluky what happened and and it's not going to be as good going forward but you're right like i mean anthony edwards is a star anthony edwards is going to be a top player in this league like i i I dubbed him like a year ago i was like i i think he's actually wolves proof like i think like (laughs) even though not even the wolves could could mess this up with like i think he's legitimately that good cat is phenomenal cat's just not the lead guy he got wolfed. Um, he got wolfed. Yeah. He got wolfed exactly. But you're right. Like I mean, I, they're gonna be in. They're gonna be in the mix. I just don't know. I don't know if there's ever a path to the championship. But again, it's the wolves. There's never been a path to the championship <laughs> other than when Sam Cassell injured his hip, having imaginary testicles that were too large, too large to carry. Right. Like that's <laughs> oh. the only time. Yeah. I mean, this is a team that uh, that made it really tough for the Memphis Grizzlies despite the fact that they made every stupid mistake that you could possibly make over the course of a basketball series, like if they weren't dumb, they win that series. They They had 20 point leads like three times. They could not have played a dumber series. They honestly couldn't have. They still pushed it. Like Like idiot shit. Like really stupid. (laughs) There have been teams that played it it so much smarter and got yeah. swept, right? Like, there have been yeah. teams that played yeah. smart basketball yeah. and got swept. They played about as dumb as they can get, and they pushed to six games. Like, there is clearly talent there. Pat Beverly, man, I look, <laughs> I think y'all did the right thing, but there is – what Pat Beverly does doesn't have anything to do with statistics or ability. No. <laughs> no. It, it's, it has to do with after-school specials about bullying. Yeah. Uh, it has, yes. you know, it yes. has to do with – What's funny is they included him in the deal – because they knew we can't have Pat and Rudy on the same team. Like, yeah, we just fair, yeah. like, we'll they, like fair, he, yeah. he's got to go. We're not going to pay him when he's a free agent in a year. Like we, like, it's just, it, we know that there is a fine line. Cause they, there's a lot they have to manage here with the personalities of Cat and Gobert who didn't exactly like each other before. And Anthony Edwards said that Chris Tapps is a much better rim protector than, uh, than Rudy Insane. Gobert, which is hilarious. I love that. He's I, like, I don't get, I don't I get, it. he's like, I don't get no layups against Chris Tapps. You know, I get whatever I want against Rudy. <laughs> Uh, which also I don't think was true. Like I think he was getting blocked at the rim and stuff. It's, but, uh, it's not true. true. It's not. It's yes. not true. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You both know more than anybody yeah, yeah. this point, right? <laughs> yeah. um, but but they knew that if Pat Beverly was here, this this thing would absolutely implode. 
He would have brought a stepladder to practice just to yell in his face. <laughs> oh man, one of my favorite one of my favorite things I ever witnessed was right after the Clippers got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. I was in a restaurant here in Vegas because it happened during summer league, and so I'm out. I, I leave the restaurant to call my editor because we had to like fix a couple of things in the like the article I pre-wrote because um, I pre-wrote a bunch of like different scenarios. So I go. I'm like, all right, you got to do this, 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 and I see PJ Tucker walk into the walk into the restaurant as I'm out there. When I walk back in, PJ Tucker is standing with Jordan Clarkson. They're just standing in the middle of the restaurant talking. Pat Beverly was in there wearing an Allen Iverson jersey, and he is skipping around the uh, around the <laughs> restaurant. And every once in a while, he would go up to PJ Tucker, who was on the Rockets at the time. He'd go up to PJ Tucker and throw out this primal scream to the side of his face as he is just calmly talking to Jordan Clarkson. And then he would go away and he would skip away and come back a couple minutes later. And like, I was the greatest thing I've ever seen in person. Oh my God. Damn, that sounds incredible. That's what yeah. summer so Pat Beverly, Pat Beverly would have absolutely screamed in his face every single day on a step ladder. The Utah Jazz, I've been waiting for this team's carcass to get picked clean yep. for about four years now. Yep. yep. It's finally happening. Do they want to keep Donovan Mitchell or not? What's their deal? They want to keep Donovan Mitchell. The new owner, Brian Smith, is all in on Donovan Mitchell. I don't know what Danny Ainge really does. Danny Ainge so, is licking his chops. He can't yeah, wait, Danny to, Ainge he is can't wait to tell Donovan Mitchell, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, <laughs> he, he cannot wait to go up to Donovan Mitchell and be like, hey, you've been traded to the Kings, or whatever that's going to be, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, and so I think ownership will win out here because ownership always wins out. But if you think about like the timing of everything, the All-Star game is in Salt Lake City this year this coming season. They're not going to trade, unless it's just a, a deal that absolutely blows them away. They are not going to trade Donovan Mitchell before he can be the mayor of Salt Lake City and the mayor of the Utah Jazz, and everyone has this great moment, and he's like, you know, the big head all, all around the city and everything. Like, they're going to give themselves that moment, and then if Donovan wants out and Danny wants him out and they can convince the owner, like, yes, sign off on this, then I think he gets moved, like, next off season at the earliest but okay. um but they are going to try to like placate him and and cater to him and do whatever they want or whatever they can to make him happy to stay there long term it's just look we did this with with gordon hayward in salt lake city where for a year or two years everyone was telling him hey gordon wants to leave he wants to go play for brad stevens and this is the case and no one in salt lake city believed it now, I'm not saying that definitely happens again, but when all the outside noise is Donovan doesn't want to be there, he wants to be in New York or he wants to be somewhere else. Um, look, eventually that noise gets so loud that something has to happen. So, I mean, we sh maybe we learn from Gordon Hayward or, or I don't know. He is building his quote unquote dream home in Greenwich, Connecticut right now, where he is from. Oh, isn't it weird um, we know that? Isn't it weird we know it's, where it's, players it's live strange. and where their dream homes are? It's, like, it's, it's absolutely bizarre that we know that um yeah. speaking of the jazz uh, the price paid for rudy gobert um set the market to an extent and of course one of the one of the big stories uh, going on right now is the status of the brooklyn nets what's happening with Kyrie? what's happening with uh, kevin durant both of uh are looking for ways out it seems but now that uh, has has rudy's deal at all given it, it appears to me from the outside looking in that Rudy's deal gave the Nets a way to pump the brakes a little bit and say, well, I mean, you know, we got to get more than than 
the Jazz got for Gobert, right? We're talking about Kevin fucking Durant. Um, and really, that is just a way for them to take some of the heat off of this and see if they can convince Kevin to stay. What What is your read of the situation going on right now? Yeah, I mean, I think Kevin has done this because he didn't like the way Kyrie was handled, right, with the contract negotiations. And and so I, I think, you know, you request a trade and he does it directly to Joe Sy, and it's kind of a message of like, all right, Joe Sy is the one that didn't want to give Kyrie any money long term, which also understandable. Dude's never around. Like right. if you told me it's, it's, if you told me tomorrow, he's not only retired, but he has created his own youth league that is going to be the feeder system into the the G League or the Chinese basketball league or whatever. Like I would be like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I like that doesn't sound crazy to me when it comes to to Kyrie Irving. Like I think anything is is possible with him. But I think the it's funny because like the Drew Holiday trade is really what threw everything out of whack a couple of years mm. ago when he went for a four first and um and I think there's a pick swap in there or something. And and so then it was when when James Harden went to the Nets for for that deal. It was like, okay, this, it, you know, it wasn't that much more than Drew Holiday, but this is kind of what it sets the market as. And then Gobert goes for what he goes for. And I, it wouldn't shock me if the Nets were like, can we, can we alter the system this one time? Can we like, because mm. there's only so many, you can only trade like four first round picks in the future because uh, you can't trade consecutive years, right? So, and you can only trade like within the next eight years. Like I couldn't send my 2050 first round pick. Like it just doesn't work that way. And then you can do pick swaps, but that's really it. And then they're like, oh yeah, and we want a couple of young all-stars under the age of 25. It's like, who has that? Who out there? Like, yeah, New Orleans has it. They're not going to do New Orleans. that. Like, yeah. like, but that's really, like there's only so many, so many things that can be put together here. And you still have to have all the contracts that, that match Kevin Durant's deal at the same time they're looking at Kyrie and like there's like we're not gonna trade him anywhere but the Lakers but we are going to fleece the Lakers because we know just how desperate they are and so there's a standoff with that I think you could convince KD stick around for a year play with Kyrie for mm -hmm. a year see what happens let's just see if you if your mind changes but if you trade Kyrie Man, unless the unless it's a return that isn't Russell Westbrook and Taylor Horton Tucker and some first round picks, like if if it's something more along the lines of what like where they can show him, look, we definitely got better as a team. This is where you want to be. Um, I just don't know how I don't know how they navigate that. Like I think I think they've kind of screwed themselves over for the second time. God, how do we get Russ to Brooklyn? Us, we need to figure out how to get oh Russ God. to Brooklyn today. Come on. Would, there are two things that I've wanted so much is one for Russ to either find his way back to a Kevin Durant team as Kevin Durant is trying to get his way out of it or for Russ <laughs> yes. to end up on the same team as Rudy Gobert because he fucking hates Rudy Gobert. Like he hates Rudy Gobert more than any player hates anybody. You mentioned the, the Drew Holiday is a good is a good example of it of a thing that seems to be happening right now, which is a devaluation among teams of draft picks. There's a ton of teams right now that just are giving them up that don't have their own draft picks for the next couple of years. It, it seems like executives have made the decision that for whatever reason, despite the fact that if you look at the NBA finals and the playoffs, the teams that have been drafting and developing their players, the teams that are succeeding right now, that uh, execs are just like, it doesn't matter that much. What, mm -hmm. What's going on there with, with teams giving up their draft picks? Uh, yeah, I think you're, I just think you're seeing it go a different way than it had been that this is not going to be an anti-analytics thing. Cause I do appreciate analytics. Yeah, I think yeah. they have a real spot, but I do think 
there was a point where it was like, oh, you can't even give up a second round pick. Second round picks have so much value right. because they're so so much lower cost and you hit on a second round, blah, 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 right? And and so I think there was an overvaluation of that. And at a certain point, teams just thought, look, we can trade these guys eventually and get, get our picks back if we need to, which I think is the right way to go. Like, I think if you have a chance to get better to the point where you can win a championship or make a trade that keeps your best player in town, I think you should absolutely do that every single time. Like, yeah, the first round picks could turn out to be anything that that is on your team right now, but you have those guys on your team. Like, if you are the Bucks and you are a Drew Holiday away from keeping Giannis and competing for a championship and obviously eventually winning it, who gives a fuck about those four first round picks? Like, why why would those ever matter? Right. Like, you can go get them or just go sign some people on low cost situations where where you you can like. Yeah, we can keep Bobby Portis at under market value for a year or two because he wants to stay here because we became a championship contender. Like, I do think there was a devaluation of winning for a little bit. And then even though you're right, like where a lot of these teams are are winning this based off the guys they drafted, there are still lots of situations where you need to go add guys via trade, via free agency. Right. And you do that often with, with draft picks. Well, I got one more. Hold on. Is, hey, I know you've been laid up in the room all day but have you seen the summer league ring up close is it real metal yeah <laughs> yeah what what is it I, what is I, the substance of I, that so now unfortunately i didn't get to hold it but i did see it up close and let me tell you there is not a fucking chance this makes it out of the hotel room. like this is going to be something that's they're going to be hundreds of maid service and room service employees around Las Vegas who end up with these rings. There is not a chance anybody is going to want did, this. Did you hear the ring, like, touch something else? Like, did somebody put it down on, like, wood or, like, a tabletop? Did you get to hear what the set? No, like, give uh, us some idea of, did it seem look, like it had some weight to it? What did it, was there any discoloration in the skin after somebody handled it? Like, what? I heard it made Becky what? Hammond's fingers green. <laughs> no, look. I'm not saying this is going to be a real deep pull, but I'm not saying Jim Diamond from Saved by the Bell episode where he sells the fake <laughs> rings, ring class, <laughs> class rings is the guy who sold it to the NBA. But I just know it was someone who looked a lot like how Jim, Jim Diamond would look 25 years later. Okay. Like it just, it was an old, greasy, overly tan man. And he had a case of these things and he had a, he had a few in his coat. Lining where he opened yes. them up and said, "Hey, NBA, y'all want some rings? I got some yeah. rings for you." My guy, Rhinestone Ronnie, <laughs> came by, held him down. It didn't. Uh, look, unfortunately, I didn't hear the weight of it. I didn't get to feel the weight of it. But I just, I saw it in someone's hand, and I thought, "No, this isn't. This isn't a thing. We can't." Also, and, we, and it shouldn't be a thing. Stop it. We're gonna get rings for like division champs. Or like, or make an all-star team. Or no, get out of here. That's so. It's such a well, dumb idea. One of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life was uh, many years ago now when Nate Robinson's jersey was retired at mm -hmm. Summer League in the Thomas and Mac. And what occurred there was literally like a janitor came out with a fold-up ladder. <laughs> yeah. And, and some of the uh, Knicks... Tra training staff was like, hey, uh, put this guy's uh, jersey up on the wall. And then they put it up with like nails or thumbtacks or something like on the paneling wall, just nailed it up there. Uh, one of the that's 
to me what summer league is. Stop trying to make it cool. It's it's a funny, what? weird summer camp for right. athletes. When they when they put up Nate Robinson's jersey on the wall, it was with less care than when I put up my Tupac jersey with that double sticky stuff yes. in my in my dorm room, right? Like that, like that's the that like I put way more thought into my Tupac poster and my Vince Carter poster in my dorm room than I did any of that any any jersey retirement in the Thomas and Max Center. And any players stand out to you? Uh, it's Paolo Bancaro is really good. Yeah, he he's good. really damn good. Like he is. He's going to be absolutely exceptional. Like the, the Magic have been looking for a number one dude within a year. He'll be their number one dude easily. Like, and he's just like, he's huge. He's a massive, like he's a legit 6'10". He's got to be 240. I mean, he's, he's a big dude. He made Jabari, like, because I, I was looking at Jabari Smith Jr. Um, I walked by, I was like, oh, man, he's, kinda, like, he's bigger than I thought he was. Like, okay. And then I saw him standing next to Paolo. I was like, oh, shit, he looks small next to Paolo. Like, like Paolo is a big dude. Chet's just weird. Like Chet, Chet Holmgren, like I'm not in, um, I, you know, some people, some, some people were saying like, he's given, he's given skinny guys hope and everything. Like, get out of here with this. Like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not in on this. Like I, like he might be good, but the fact that Kenneth Lofton Jr. gave him the business in, in Salt Lake city summer league, like what gave me all the life because I love Kenneth Lofton Jr. That kid, the fact that he just absolutely bodied Chet Holmgren out of the gym was great to me. Too much, too much dip on Chet Holmgren's chip for me. But like, yeah. you're a rookie. This is so, like, I get it. I get being like, I am a fan of a team that had a fucking parade after the third game of the season. So I get being excited right. about something that doesn't matter. But Chet is a little too swaggy for me in summer league right now a little it's just a little too much dip on the chip for me that's all that's all i'm saying he's the thinnest man in league history he needs at least one year of weights but i mean hey that's what it is now too many the, the problem with summer league is too many games are on tv now that we get to see it if a guy what? scores if a guy scores 20 you have no choice but to think he's the next deadlift shrimp sick with six blocks <laughs> well, also, Seven hold, fouls. On, hold on. I have a real issue with this six blocks thing because they went out there and said this was a record. There's no way it's a record, okay? There's no way. We've had so many guys have 10,000 a game, and I just don't believe that six blocks was the record in any summer league. Like, that I think the, they just made it up. Who's going who's gonna, <laughs> who's gonna to check this fact? No one. I'm not going to do it, and I don't believe it. They don't keep the st- 100%. <laughs> like, the stats are not kept. I will tell you right now. You've been there like every quarter they come out with a printout of all the stuff that happened. And but that doesn't get put into like a database or anything. No, like there's no you can't look for summer league sets in, in particular, like steals, blocks, all that stuff. They points you'll find because it's reported on. But you're not going to yeah. find anything else. No, it's they not, take, the, no they take those that. printouts. They take those printouts and they fold them into a championship ring and then hand them to the players at the end of summer. league. That's what they do. <laughs> Uh, he is Zach Harper of The Athletic, live from NBA Summer League in Las Vegas. Zach, thank you for joining us. Feel better. Thanks, guys. I'm going to go vomit now. Wimbledon is among the most prestigious sporting events in the entire world since 1877. The All England Club in Wimbledon has been hosting the event and champions throughout those years have etched their names 
into the storied trophy of the Wimbledon All England Club. To join us now and tell us, recap the, uh, the championship weekend from The Guardian, Tumani Cariol, sports reporter for The Guardian, uh, is going to take us through the events of Wimbledon 2022. Tumani, thank you for joining Takeline. How are you? How's your Wimbledon? Good, thanks. Thanks, thanks for having me. I'm, my, my brain is fried, but I'll try my best. Um, so, Novak versus uh, Kyrgios. It was a matchup of one of the, you know, one of the greatest champions ever in history in the men's game, uh, Novak Djokovic. Unvaccinated, and we'll tell you about it. Uh, against a player who this is his first time in a in a Wimbledon final uh, in Nick Kyrgios from Australia and also a player who's been broke through as a teenager showing lots of promise has struggled at times to deliver on that promise um, but who played a spirited match against an all-time uh, great but then lost your thoughts on the men's final um, and everything around it yeah uh, I guess firstly it's just the, the circumstances around it are, are weird because, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, you mentioned unvaccinated Djokovic and for, for reasons of his kind of own doing, he came into this tournament under even more pressure than than normal. You know, he, he was deported from Australia. He, yes. you know, <laughs> just, yes, that was a thing that happened. Yes. It's still crazy. Um, yeah. And then then he struggled after that, you know, with, with his form and he lost. He, he, I guess, had the misfortune of drawing Rafa Nadal at Ronald Garros in the quarterfinal and lost there. And we still don't, he's still, as things currently stand, he's not able to enter the States because he's unvaccinated and he, he's not able to enter the Australia right now. Um, because, um, when your, when your visa is canceled, you're not allowed to apply for another visa for three years. So basically this Wimbledon was his year in a nutshell. If, if he, if he didn't win it, it was the what you know, what essentially the worst year of his career. And, and that's, you know, added pressure. Um, and then you had, you know, Kyrgios, who, as he said many times afterwards, like it's he wasn't supposed to kind of be. It's just it was just weird to see him in a, a grand slam final, um, playing for the one of the biggest trophies in the world. When you know a lot of how he carries himself, or well, certainly in the past, was not very not seriously. He he got banned his talent. Yeah. Um. That and and you know was obviously not as was open about not being as committed as. You know, he as other players he'll he, tell you about it. Yeah, he'll he'll just be like, <laughs> I don't want to play anymore. Like, I don't want to play the, this tournament. I'm tired. I don't want to play. Yeah, has disappeared at times. You, I mean, this is a guy who will dump entire games because he's just like in a mood during the match. We'll just be like, well, yeah. now I'm gonna play with with my offhand, or I'm gonna hit balls behind my back and just yeah. not be serious about it. Very, uh, very interesting fellow. Um, it came to light, uh, you know, over the course of the of the uh, tournament that he's facing charges back in Australia uh, uh, due to uh, a domestic assault case that has been levied against him. Uh, he was uh, talked about how that affected his ability to, to focus, which has always been an issue. Um, what's what is the what? He's been one of the biggest mysteries in men's tennis for as long as he's been on the scene. Give us a sense of Kyrgios as a player. What is your read on him? 
I mean, as as a player, he's he's incredibly talented. Obviously, he has one of the best serves of all time, I think, and can just yeah. you know get by on you know he does. Seems like he doesn't even have to practice much. You know, he just he can rock up and and beat a lot of a lot of very good players because of his serve. He has an amazing like hand skill, so he that's why he does all the kind of crazy trick shots and slices and drop shots and you know, angles and things that a lot of players can't can't do if they practiced it from now for the next 100 years. So he has all of that talent, but um, yeah, like throughout his career, he's just not been motivated. You know, it hasn't, he hasn't won it. Well, he says that he doesn't love tennis for one and he, he he's a basketball <laughs> fan. You know, he's yeah, he loves the NBA. Play- <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a, yeah, obsessed with it. He, he'd, he'd much rather be playing basketball with his boys in, in Canberra. Um, and yeah, and, and he just also just, he had, this week he's talked about issues he had in which he'd you know he played Rafa Nadal a couple a few years ago at Wimbledon and he said he was out drinking until like 4 a.m before playing one of the best players of all time you know so that's been kind of what as far as a tennis player that's what's held him back and it seems like this this year for whatever for some reason he you know whatever reason he seems to be in a better place and so he was you know just going about his business quietly you know during the tournament you know not going you wouldn't like go to the there's like a pub called the Dog and Fox like it, right near Wimbledon, and and any any other year you'd you'd, you'd walk up there after the after the tennis and you'd see him with you know <laughs> drinking with some random you know 50 year olds or something I don't know just but but this this time he was just at home you know with his girlfriend with his family just being pro- a professional athlete and and the result is that he's in he was in the Wimbledon final. I mean, he still had to pull. I think he is the Joker. Like I know Joker's Joker, but Kyrgios has the real Joker antics. He's really crazy. Like the scissor pass match, I feel like that was where he was like, "All right, I have to like just be unhinged." The only way I'm going to beat this guy is if I am a maniac. He's spitting on people, and then you see a then they cut to a video of him talking about the importance of mental health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's unreal. That 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 scissor pass match was the the most like chaotic one of the most chaotic sports events i've seen you know he like he, like yeah as you said he, i think he knows that his antics and him you know screaming at the umpire and you know shouting at anyone who listen like that disrupts opponents and uh, and it completely Tsitsipas top five player one of the best young players around and like Kyrgios just broke his brain basically you know in in the early on in the match Tsitsipas well, after it went to one set, oh, he he hit a ball into the crowd, and it just it. I think it missed someone, hit the back back fence, and maybe like tapped someone on the shoulder or something. The ball, and if you hit someone, you get defaulted. You're supposed to get defaulted anyway. And and Kyrgios was adamant that it hit someone, and spent the whole match trying to get trying to well spend the between sets <laughs> trying to get him defaulted, and then Sissipas lost his head and spent the next set trying to hit him with the ball like cracking the ball at him and, and you know just it just and then and then after yeah yeah exactly it was crazy i've never seen anything like it and then afterwards in the press conference you know press conferences Sissipas called him a bully and said you know he's just I, I think he i think he got bullied when he was younger so now he bullies everyone we should you know everyone should get together and put a stop to his behavior and then Kyrgios called him soft and said that you know he has no friends, so it was just oh my it was completely God. unhinged. I, I'll, just yeah. say, I'll just say this. Like, uh, obviously, Kyrgios, again, is facing pending assault allegations, and, it, and the, that is awful. It's terrible. And it should be, and we should, you know, decry that. 
to the to the furthest extent that we can. In a vacuum, Tsitsipas, Kyrgios, this is what tennis needs. I'm dead serious. Like dudes who don't like each other, players that don't like each other, where there's a, just a lot of stuff going on and they are competing intensely. Uh, tennis is in a sad state here in America, and I think it would be a lot more popular if if <laughs> if players were like trying to hit each other with the ball and and arguing throughout stoppages of play that the other player needs to be defaulted and and ejected from the game. That was I enjoyed it. I did enjoy that. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I can't lie. I I, enjoy, I was entertained too. I, I, yeah, I, I, I get I get that argument, and and like I I guess I agree to it, agree with it to some extent. I just think that if you're a professional athlete and you're yes. serious, a yes. serious person, that's probably not how you're going to be acting. You know, I most agree. the reason why most people aren't like that is because they want to win. And yeah. I think that's yeah. Even if however crazy you are. If if your goal is to be winning the tournament, then you'll be trying to hit the ball in the court, not trying to hit someone, you know, knock someone out. <laughs> so um, yeah, let's let's move from the uh, from the men's final uh, between an anti-vaxxer and a man facing charges to the to the women's uh, championship, where Elena Rabakina, Rabakina, excuse me, where Elena Rabakina uh, represented Kazakhstan, but but uh, formerly uh, from Russia. Uh, won the crown over Anz Jabour, the first uh, uh, Arab woman to play in a in a in a final. Um, your thoughts on that match, and uh, and then we can talk about. Uh, I guess we should talk about Rabakina and her relationship to the Russian Federation, of which is pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the match. I mean, it was two first time, you know, Grand Slam finalists. You know, playing against each other and at Wimbledon of all places, so they're both, you know, it was a lot of nerves, and that was kind of what was going to decide it. And and in the end, Rubikina is just like a, a big, you know, she's a huge server, huge power, and just kind of got herself together and hit Jabir off the court, you know, in, yeah. in, the, in the end. But Jabir, I don't know, it's it's that was to me the the best story of the tournament, just in terms Agreed. of this. You know, she's you know she's the first Arab woman to ever make a semi-final, the first the you know, first Arab person, and the first African. You know, she's from Tunisia, the first African woman to to do it, and she's just like it's it's not just you know it's it's the history making that she's done. You know, coming from you know a country that isn't represented at, at the top of the sport, and also yeah. having a like she has a her whole her team around her is just is Tunisians as well. It's not you know she didn't go to some. American Academy with a scholarship. So, you know, there's all that. And she's just a, a cool person. Like, she's one of the just the, the nicest people, just the coolest people. Like, if you see her around, you know, you can just have a, a regular conversation with her. And yeah, just, I think she just, she's also like, <laughs> funny enough, like, she's similar to Kyrgios in that they're both just mad talented and have, can do all these, you know, just can do, just have crazy, just crazy, have magic in their hands, basically. She can play all these crazy drop shots and, you know, trick shots and any, can do anything on the court. And she really kind of just made, anytime she goes on the court, if, if fans don't know her, she'll win them over and they'll be cheering for her by the end. She's just, so yeah, just cool to see her just have her moment and just get to this stage and kind of put herself in the position to do it again. It was also cool that, she, you know, before this tournament, she played doubles with Serena Williams um, in yeah, Eastbourne, really the warm-up cool. tournament. And I don't know, it was cool that, you know, Serena was coming back and, 
that she was the person who Serena, you know, saw and picked and, and wanted to play with. And that was, I think that was a bit of a earner that probably helped her confidence even more just to, to see who's, who's watching and who's impressed by her. And yeah, yeah she's, she's a cool, cool, cool person. Um, a lot of big names was out this year. Speaking of Serena, you know, out in the first round, uh, Nadal with the, with the big torn abdomen, he's getting up there in age. Does this feel like this is like the beginning of the changing of the guard? I mean, I know Djokovic won and it's Djokovic, but it seems like we're about to see a, a whole new cast of characters. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's true on the women's side. I think, I mean, Serena, you know, she she came back and she hadn't played. This is the first time she played in a year. And I think the big question is, is what is, is this might be the last Wimbledon she plays. And I mean, she's 40 years old now. So like, I, I think, you know, my takeaway from Wimbledon with Serena was that she doesn't really know, you know, she has all, yeah. all these, all this stuff outside of tennis. Now she has this um, venture capitalist company, Serena Ventures and all of this other yeah. stuff. And so she, I, I think she doesn't know if she's ready to, well, willing to commit and do what it takes, you know, to play the matches, the tournaments, to, to be a top player again. And, and so we'll see, we'll see what happens in the States at the US Open. Because um, it seems that she's committed to do that, but you know, as, aside from that, I think tennis is kind of women's tennis is kind of it's in a weird place. Um, but yeah. it's kind of moved on from her. There's, there's a world number one, Iga Swiatek, who she lost early in Wimbledon, but she had she won 37 matches in a row, which is just mad to, to watch and won the French Open. <clears throat> and then with the men, I mean, if if it feels like there should be some sort of changing of the guard, but you know, <laughs> as it stands. Um, you have you have Raffin and Djokovic, Raffin, Nadal and Djokovic still just you know just, just splitting titles between them. You know both of them are unbeat. You know the only person the only person who's beaten one of them was Nadal beating Djokovic. Uh, a Grand Slam was Nadal beating Djokovic at the French Open in Grand Slam this year. So they're just I don't know they're they're just still better. <laughs> they're just still better than the rest and and the other players just aren't good enough uh, so, so far. Do so you expect Nadal to make a full recovery? He's just he's going to come back and yeah, yeah, be ready to um, yeah. So, so his his the the injury seems like it was quite um, it wasn't a bad one. He said he'll be back training within a week. It just like you know without serving, and then he'll he'll be back in in the US for the states. And I, I didn't actually talk about you know Kyrgios Djokovic, which which kind of like the actual match, which was you know Kyrgios played really well. I thought like he started he was unbelievable at the beginning. You know, no nerves, none of that. You know, for a first time final, but Djokovic just like just smothered him in the end, like just took over and was just he was. I was really impressed with Djokovic, just how how well he played. And they're just better. They're better tennis players. Better. They know what to over best of five sets, where it's even harder to beat them. You know, they'll drop a set and be like, you know, beat beat me, win three win three sets against me. And and most players can't do that. So uh, until then, <laughs> until there's any hint that they're you know the levels falling. I think it's going to be very hard for other players to beat beat them consistently. Nadal did manage to uh, beat American Taylor Fritz despite the abdominal injury. Um, Taylor Fritz, kind of encapsulating 15 years of American men's tennis in one player, in that he's got a big serve, and the rest of it is like whatever. Um, <laughs> but I wonder if you could. I, I've been watching with some interest the english press response to taylor fritz's 
uh, girlfriend, Morgan, who is uh, uh, was on social media a lot, as she uh, often is, um, <laughs> talking about, among other things, reasons why tennis is not popular, which I thought was great while you're while your partner is playing in Wimbledon to be like, hey, I know tennis isn't really popular, but here's why it's kind of cool. <laughs> like putting on social media posts like that. Could you uh, explain to us like the the English press fascination with Taylor Fritz and his relationship? I, I'm not sure. Man. I, I think I, I think the way the thing about English press, especially here, when like you have news news journalists is that they just they'll find something and and fixate on it completely and it, it was like it was, i mean they kept like cutting to her and like talking about it it was crazy yeah yeah <laughs> but i mean i, I don't I, like personally i don't i don't think she was wrong <laughs> you know but yeah. there, there's a lot of reasons why why tennis isn't like doesn't cut through and isn't a popular mainstream sport but I, I, I'm not sure why why they're so obsessed with her. To be honest, because <laughs> I'm not. Because I'm not. I feel like in America we just need to see an American person. That's our issue. Uh, U.S. Yes. Open coming up next. Yep. Uh, is there any American player who you'd like to make a deep run? I'm a big Francis Tiafo guy. Personally, what's it going to take for him to get over the hump? Do you have any? Any hopes for any Americans at the U.S. Open? Uh, so with, with the men, the, the, the strange thing is that a lot of them did, like it was a good tournament for them. Like a lot, uh, quite a few, a lot of them made the fourth round, like uh, maybe like six, seven, eight. Um, but you know, standards are so much lower now than when you were like when Americans were dominating tennis. Um, I think Francis, I, I love him as a as a player. He's he's like he's so. He's fun. To, he's charismatic. He's creative, uh, and he had a good run at the U.S. Open last year. I don't, you know, I, I think he can ha- have another run. I don't, not, I don't see him winning title, or or something like that. But no, no. you know, he's 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 a talented player and and loves the loves the stage, loves the show. So, in terms of men, I think they they have like a, a bunch of good players who are like between age twenty two, twenty five, or or something. And a few of them could break through quarters, semis, but I mean, at, at the moment, everything's just again. Un- until I, I see otherwise, it's it's Nadal, Djokovic, maybe Daniel Medvedev, who's a Russian number one, who was obviously banned from Wimbledon, but will be back yep. at the U.S. Open and of defending champion. Um, Is so yeah, Joker going to be allowed in the country? Your thoughts? Do you think he's actually going to be able to play in the U.S. Open? Um, I mean, you guys probably know more than me. I, I it just it seems. I mean, it seems no. I'm gonna just say no. <laughs> but no. I was like, <laughs> it's a no for me. But I'm just wondering, you know, like because he because he has obviously been talking about it with some with some ac- with some obvious acrimony about the about the uh, various vaccination rules and COVID uh, protocols that exist in the entire globe where he does, uh, uh, you know, end up competing. Yeah. So I mean, I, I don't think there's going to be a, there's any chance of any kind of exemption or anything like that. It will have to be that you know the U.S. decides to allow all visitors, you know, unvaccinated visitors into the country. And I, I, I to be honest, I, I don't know, but it as some some Americans, you know, some American journalists I've been talking to have said, oh, 
it seems like things are moving in that direction. I don't know, and that that might change. But no, you, you don't. You don't look. Uh, I mean, Eric Adams, the, the mayor of New York, Eric Adams, who I don't know if you're aware of, is a wild card type of guy who has been uh, much more interested in like partying at clubs and like riding sea-doos like around the bay in Brooklyn and not so much in running the city. But he has also been the the type of guy who might just be like, hey, is there any way we can get Novak in the country despite not having any kind of power to change those rules? So you never know in that from that regard. But yeah, I don't think that there's... It would be a huge issue, I think, if they offered him an exemption, because why? You know, it would just set a terrible precedent. Yeah. And I mean, he's he, he's been through that. It didn't end well for yeah. him. I, I don't think he should be. I mean, I don't I don't think he should be even looking for that. If the rules change, he should go. I mean, he could also just get vaccinated. But if the rules change, he should go. If not, <laughs> he, he said he <laughs> said very loudly after the game, after the final, that he's not going to do that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, too many. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Have a great day. Really appreciate it. Thank you. That's it for us. Follow and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Jamel, what do you have cooking? Man, I got all types of stuff. I got a roast in the oven right now. Oh, and uh, I'm in uh, Portland. Yeah. I'm in Portland on the 28th. <laughs> faded Portland. Shout out to the, the, them faded guys. Mike Malloy, the general. Folks, see you next week. Goodbye. Take Line is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Ryan Wallerson and Zuri Irvin. Our executive producers are myself and Sandy Drord. Engineering, editing, and sound design by the great Sarah de Alaska and the folks at Chapter 4. And our theme music is produced by Brian Vasquez. Mia Kelman is on the Zoom for Vibes, and the vibes are fantastic all the time. <laughs>